Good evening and welcome to the NRL Supercoach Champions podcast. You're here with Guy. You can get me at uh, gfeeny10 on Twitter and joined again, as always, by Catfish. How are you going, mate? Good. Uh, not too bad, uh, despite being a non-Teddy owner. It's, uh, <laughs> a lot of people are quite depressed about it lately. <laughs> you either have the two extremes. You've got people who had Teddy or captained him, and then you've got people who don't have him at all. And it's a huge gap this week, but it's keeping the competition really interesting. So... Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at, at CatfishSC. But, mate, you had another big week. How'd you go? Yeah, well, like, before Monday's game, um, it really looked like you were going to tear me up. But um, I was one of the ones who actually captained Teddy and, yeah, took took a big turn up. So I scored 1,374 points and it's got me back from the 12,000s into the 2,200s. So... Pretty good week and um, definitely still a chance of finishing that top 1,000. So um, that's always good. Oh, you've got a, more than a pretty good chance from there. Uh, for me, I look, I think I had a pretty good week for a non-Teddy owner. I scored 12.45, uh, which saw me jump up about 16,000 spots. But that's only because I'm so far back, but I'm up to 38,000. So... From just under 63,000 to 38,000 in two weeks is not too bad, I reckon. Uh, But, yeah, look, I think let's talk about our trades and what we did last week because I think we both made some decent moves. Uh, You kept yours simple, didn't you? Yeah, I I, um, just went the standard best to Grant. Obviously, best. he, he scored better than I thought he would against Melbourne. He looks like a really good player. And, um... Harry Grant, still a decent score, probably would have liked better, but um, he, it, I still think he'll probably be more of a cow than anything, and I'll look to upgrade to, to top-of-the-range um, guns. But um, for now, barring any injury, um, hopefully he's all right. Um, he, he's a decent play. Yeah, I think that's maybe that, that was the issue. It turns out that he might have an injury that he's carrying and he's a little bit doubtful for this week. So keep an eye out for Wacko's late mail uh, where where possible because no doubt um, we'll have to keep an eye on that one. So you wonder if maybe that hindered his uh, performance on the weekend, like maybe copped a knock and had to play with it. But, yeah, more info to come. Uh, for me, I had jumped on Grant a week early, so I brought in Best uh, and also Latrell, and I whacked the captaincy on him, so that worked out pretty well for me. And, uh, yeah, look, I think that was a big reason I managed to score pretty well, despite not having Teddy. And, obviously, my trade-in from last week of Angus went off again as well. So it's been a good couple of weeks for my trade targets. So, fingers crossed, I keep that going and, and continue to march up that leaderboard. But, look, I did want to point out, like, it's still quite early days. I've had some people asking me, you know, I'm in the 30,000s, 40,000s. Should I give up on overall for the year? Uh, look, I had another look at the, the gap, and... I think some other people would also analyze this, but so many people in the top 10, top 50, top 100 didn't have Tedesco. So it caused a huge shift, I think, in the leaderboard. And, you know, obviously a lot of Tedesco owners, Tedesco captains are up the top now. But look, I, I had a look from from first place to 500. There's about 373 points. So that's gone up a little bit. It was about 330 last week. And uh, another 65 points from 501st to 1,000. So that 
uh, stretched out a little bit. That was about 47 last week. So basically, there's a 40, 438 points from number one to the top 1,000 or 1,000th. So for me, I'm even though I'm back way back in the 38,000s, I've got I'm about 695 points from the top 500 or 630 from the top 1,000, which that really doesn't sound that much considering how many weeks we have left. Um, I was looking back and I was about late in the season last year, I had about four or five weeks left. I was 500 points outside the top 1,000 and I managed to come 827th. So, you know, you can catch up those points in a matter of weeks. So for you, like you're well, you're well and truly in the, hunt for top 1,000, you should aim for one top 100, if not, you know, even higher. Yeah, and I, th- I think the big thing will be, like, well, we s- touched on it last week, will be um, your captain's choices, especially if you're going for uh, those fullbacks between Ponga, Turbo, and Tedesco. The right pick on one of those three guys on the right week could make the difference between, like I said, a couple of thousand ranks and or going either way, so... Um, yeah, still good. Plenty of footy left, and like you said, it's. I mean, it's all a bit of fun. I don't know why you'd give up just trying to beat your own rank, but yeah. Some people uh, get motivated by different things, but yeah, look, absolutely. I think you know, even if you're forty, fifty, sixty thousand, you're still well and truly in with the shot to finish top one thousand for sure. Sure, it's going to be a bit harder, but uh, I don't think you should give up. No, and it gives you it gives you a reason to watch those really boring games like the Dragons and Titans this week. I don't know. I think that could be pretty exciting. <laughs> so just a quick shout out to our group comp. Um, the again group code if you're not in it seven one five one two one. Jump in there. Uh, as as always, brought to you by Supercoach Champion or the Supercoach Championship Rings group on Facebook. Uh, have a check them out. Currently, the comp is being led by Ben, the coach of Juiced Gorillas, who's sitting 10th overall, so well done. There's a, quite a few people in that group in the top 100, so it's going to be a really tight contest. It'll be great to watch how that plays out. And as always, just a quick reminder, we do have a special promo for our listeners, promo code CHAMP, C-H-A-M-P. You get 10% off and free shipping. And uh, I've had some people uh, who have jumped on and ordered some rings, and they, they've arrived, and they were pretty blown away. So... It's not just me uh, saying they look good. It actually does look quite good. So check it out for sure. So we had a bit of a change to our scheduling. So we get the injury news sooner. So I was able to talk to him earlier today and he caught us up on all of the round five injury news. So that's our chat here. What's the matter? Haven't you seen a football injury before you wimps? Let's go. All right, welcome back to Brian, the NRL physio himself. Round five in the history books. Uh, not not too busy this week though, which is a good thing, right? Not not as many injuries. No, a couple of a couple of minor ones. Um, yeah, a few a few here and there that'll affect um, a few super coaches, but um, yeah, on the whole, not not too bad, which is good. So let's um, like we did last week. Let's just go through game by game. Uh, anything of note? Uh, firstly, the Seagulls and the Broncos. Marty Tapao, that's probably the big one there. 
Yeah, definitely. So, look, dislocated thumb, which sounds scary um, a lot of the time, and any dislocations, you know, people tend to worry. The the good thing about um, Marty's dislocation is, like, if you have a look at your um, at your thumb, and I know it was reported at the time as dislocated knuckle, and a knuckle is just another word for a joint in your finger or your thumb. So he dislocated the knuckle of the joint closest to the tip of his thumb um, rather than the one sort of down closest to the palm of your hand. Um, when you dislocate that one sort of at the end, it, it's a lot less severe. Um, so usually as long as they pop it back in, it's usually pretty stable and the return can be really, really quick. Like the one down close to the palm can be like 6, 10, 12 weeks, whereas the one up close to the hand, like, um, yeah, he, like Marty's a good chance of playing this week. I'd say next week is probably more likely, but you wouldn't, like, it'd be very, very unlikely unless he gets an infection from the open wound or something like that to see him miss more than kind of two weeks. All right, that's good news for my draft team where I've got him in the front row. That's right, absolutely, mate. The other injury, I think, uh, Moses Sully, who played the full game but ended up with a finger fracture and I understand he's gone under, uh, gone, gone for surgery already. Yeah, yeah, so he's a bit like um, Jerome Hughes from the Storm. So you get those little uh, fractures in the fingers and the hands and stuff like that, and generally surgery can speed things up. So he's only expected to miss sort of one to three weeks, which is, yeah, that's pretty standard, even though it's less than, you know, the usual four to six week bone healing kind of period. The the surgery just stabilises the fracture and allows a nice quick return. Good news for Seagulls fans. He's been playing quite well for them this year. So I think they'll actually feel this loss a little bit. Uh, otherwise, I think they lost Curtis Sirinan and George Defour, uh, yep. ruled out pre-game. So uh, I think Ciro's got bone bruising, which I guess uh, we'll see how he compares to Jason Tomalolo's return. Yeah, yeah look, he, he's a bit more predictable in that we know how he did it. So his was like he jammed his knee into the turf, so it's more than likely just going to be like one of those surface ones. I know they did say on the coverage, um, I think Warren Smith said something about a minor ligament sprain as well, so whether there's a bit of ligament issues there. But in terms of the bone bruising, I think it'll be um, a pretty quick return. I think they're saying they're giving him every chance this week. And then um, George Fua, uh, quad injury, um, they haven't sort of said the severity, but I think he's looking at next week or the week after, so he'll at least be missing this week. And his replacement in Tevita Funa didn't really light the world on fire. So uh, probably not really an option for classic players regardless. No. All right. And obviously on the Broncos side, Tony Staggs, um, not great earlier in the week in terms of the, the training on Sunday, but we've got confirmation now that's uh, a hammy, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, I think Twitter was flooded with all these people. I, I didn't realise there was that many people at Broncos training on a Sunday. But, um, yeah, apparently everyone was there watching and he kind of pulled up on a sprint. Whenever you see guys, like, obviously hamstrings are pretty common. Whenever you see guys sort of pull up on a, like, a high-speed kind of chase or, or something like that, you, there's always the concern because it's a bit more, you know, there's a lot more velocity going on there. There's definitely concern for those higher-grade sort of strains. Um, so he, it's confirmed he had a grade two strain, which is kind of that mid ground. Um, but the good news was, is that there was no tendon involvement. I think we've talked on here before about like when tendons are involved, they just have less blood supply. So the healing rates aren't as quick and they're just a little bit trickier in terms of the rehab and a bit higher sort of re-injury rate. So the fact that it's just straight the muscle, um, the actual muscle belly itself and not the tendon is really, really good. Um, so yeah, usually like a four to six week return to play. So that'd have it like, you know, missing sort of three to five weeks. Uh, but you're just gonna gonna have to keep an eye out for it with those no. high re-injury rates and stuff like that. But the fact that the fact that he um, he avoided the the tendon is a really good really good thing. 
In a, I think in any case for classic players, he's definitely got to be a sell. Like, oh, massively, can't, yeah. Can't hold no, that around no. for a while. And not only that, like once again, that 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 chance like chance of re-injury. Like you only have to look at Braden Burns last year. Like he had a similar kind of injury, um, and he was missing around that that time for his first one, and then didn't look great on his return, and then re-injured it again, and was out for like ten weeks or something like that. So it's not something that uh, like you should be taking a risk on. I don't think. Yeah, say no more. I uh, got a taste of the Braden Burns experience last year, and I'll be yeah. standing well away from hamstring-wise. <laughs> Alright, uh, for the next game, the Rabbitohs and Warriors, actually, I think they were pretty much injury-free, yep, so that's yeah. good news for them. However, with the Warriors, obviously, they've still got some big names out, Ken Momolo, and also Jazz Devanga. Yep. Uh, do you have any updates on when they are likely to be back? Or Yeah, so Mamalo was good news. Um, scans revealed his hamstring strain wasn't as bad as expected. So he started running sort of late last week. So he's an outside chance this week, but they think probably next week is more likely. And Jazz, it kind of came out that he suffered a soft tissue strain initially. It was all a bit secretive, but now it's been revealed it's a calf strain. Um, so I think around 8 to 10 for him. Right, okay, so that's quite relevant for those who perhaps are looking at Tohu Harris. Um, yeah. Round six this coming week, so that could be quite a few weeks there of uh, Tohu being an absolute beast playing lock, even though he keeps, he keeps getting named on the edge. Uh, so the next game, Panthers and the Storm. Obviously, Kurt Capewell for the Panthers. I mean, poor guy. <laughs> Man, I've got him, like, literally, we've talked about all my draft leagues. I've got him in, I think, four of five draft leagues. Yeah. So it's just a massive, massive blow for me, personally, which wasn't fun. And obviously, very, very not fun for Kurt. Um, but, yeah, it's been confirmed his, um, like, it's kind of worst-case scenario. Um, a lot of the time with your MCLs, even the high grade so even like a complete rupture you can get away without surgery so you pop it in a brace for a while let that sort of because the mcl heals fairly well conservatively so without surgery so usually pop it in a brace for a while let it heal up and then and start the rehab and usually like guys can return in six to eight weeks sometimes depending on where the tear is so if the tears kind of pulled a bit of bone away from either the lower leg or the upper leg um, where the mcl attaches in if it's torn sort of right at the end sometimes it's it does need surgery and unfortunately for Kurt that is the case it is quite rare but that is the case for him so surgery just extends that recovery so he's looking at at least 10 weeks but it can be up to sort of 14 weeks that's pretty brutal considering uh we've only got a 20 week season right <laughs> oh yeah like yeah I'm as I said I've got him everywhere and I'm gonna have to drop him everywhere because yeah just you, like even in draft leagues you probably just can't hold on for that long which is a fair call all right and for the storm I think they didn't no particular injuries out of this game, but obviously ongoing recovery for Jerome Hughes. And maybe I think they're getting Tui Kamikamika back this yeah. week. Yeah, it's a bit of a mysterious one. I've had a few questions about that, but the club's kind of been... Look, like, that's the... I mean, anybody who's listening to it, who's ever had back pain before knows how much it can linger around and come and go and, you know, that that kind of thing. So they haven't had exactly what the nature of the back sort of injury is. But, yeah, it's, it's not uncommon for back injuries to sort of hang around a little bit longer um, than, than you'd like. So... I, I think he. the latest word is that he is on the improve and he's looking like either this week or next week, but we'll just have to wait and see how he, how he sort of progresses with training. All right, not a problem there. Um, on to the next game. So the Titans and the Dragons. Obviously for the Titans, Jai Arrow, uh, we knew he was coming into the game playing with pain. Uh, seems like he just keeps getting needled up to play through it. Yep. Um, didn't look great early on, but he came yeah. back out and he, he ended up playing a fair few minutes, but on the... 
on the edge. I think he was playing center for for quite yes. a while. Which yeah. uh, would you say that's probably indication that he he wasn't coping with the perhaps the the contact playing in the middle, all the hit ups and tackles. Yeah, look, I'm I'm not sure. Like usually, I would say yes, but just some of the and I mean we've talked about this before. Not that I'm a football wing expert by any means but some of the selections that uh that the titans coach tends to make in terms of his positioning has got me kind of scratching my head sometimes so i'm it's very not diplomatic sure. yeah yeah usually i would say yes that might be what it was to get him away from pit of contact but oh, like I, I really i'm not sure um look like that would that would make sense to sort of get him away from making as many tackles as he did but um yeah look like i i guess i'll I think I got on my soapbox a little bit during the preseason, but I'll do it again here and say that poor old Jai Arrow, like, I, look, he's got a rib cartilage injury, but this does not make him injury prone. Um, rib cartilage injuries are very, very common. A lot of players play through them. I think the biggest disappointment and why people kind of get a bit upset is because of that usage. I think, like, we all see how good Jai could be if he gets those big minutes, and he just doesn't seem to get them, and that frustrates a lot of people, and then he gets these, you know, this little niggling injury. Um, but, you know, guys like Frizzell played through one all last year, and, like, it's a very, very standard injury. It's nothing, you know, to be too concerned about. It just can be a bit painful, um, as we saw on the weekend, but it's well managed by, um, you know, painkilling injection and stuff like that. So I think definitely the concern moving forward for Arrow is more his usage via coaching decisions rather than actual injury proneness. Yeah, it's interesting because obviously Tyrone Peachy was on the field at the same time yeah, and absolutely. he was playing in the middle and... I mean, he's usually been the one who shifts out to the left center. But yes, anyway, uh, on to the, the, for the Dragons. Um, I think they were pretty much injury-free in this game, aside from, obviously, Brandon Williami still out from last week. Yep. And uh, Tariq Sims, um, who was out, you know, pre-game, and Fui Maono came on and yeah, <laughs> trapped a few nothing. people and yeah, playing. That's right, yeah. Um, look, the, I think the biggest update there is they did reveal that Williami kind of had I think they said a grade two, but a, a, a grade two tear to his calf muscle. It did occur near the tendon. Um, so as we talked about before, tendon, a little bit more troublesome, something you have to keep an eye on. Um, so the usual range of grade two is anywhere from three to six weeks. And because his is near the tendon, they've sort of set around that six-week mark. Um, so, yeah, so he, he won't be back for around six weeks. So once again, like talking about classic, if you've got him sitting on your bench, I mean, you probably, with all the trades we've got this year, there's probably a better use for that spot unless you want him for loop, looping you know purposes or something like that and then in yep. draft if you if you've picked up you and Aiken like there's at least six weeks for him to sort of you know um I guess solidify his spot yeah which would probably be quite interesting given we know in the past even though he hasn't been great on the field he's usually gotten it done on the stat sheet which is all that really counts as super coach that's right exactly all right on to the next game the Tigers and the Cowboys so a couple of big ones here let's start with the Tigers uh Lucy Leilua who I know plenty of people have him he looked like he was in all sorts. He couldn't walk off the field. Yeah, yeah. And that was, look, it was a bit concerning at the time. Look, like, the biggest thing, and I try and stay away from, like, a lot of the stuff I do, I analyse, you know, how the injury happened and the mechanism of injury specifically. But sometimes it's hard to not get caught up in sort of how the player 
reacts as well, um, you know, like how much pain they're in and stuff like that. Um, but like I've got to get better at not falling into that trap as well because, you know, different players respond to pain differently, right? Like different people have different pain tolerances. Some people have been injured a lot, so they're used to pain. Others haven't been injured all that much, so they get pain and they think, oh, my God, this is the worst thing ever. Um, so, look, the way his injury occurred, it just sort of looked like uh, a bit like uh, Kurt Mann sort of the week before that that lateral ankle sprain or the low ankle sprain which usually look worse than they are but as you say the way he's carrying on i was like jesus he you know is there a fracture here or something like that which can happen with those those kind of injuries as well um so i kind of said at the time look could be lateral ankle sprain but you know with his reaction possibly they're looking for a fracture um thankfully no fracture there which is which is awesome um and obviously he was just more you know kind of in shock i guess with the amount of pain that was there but yeah usually they just look a lot worse than they are and um he a chance for this week but more likely for next week yep and for classic i mean he's kind of hitting his peak price anyway so it's probably not a bad time to shuffle him on now jumping over to the cowboys obviously val holmes the probably the biggest news he looked like he was in all sorts early on stayed on and played wing for a bit scored a nice try but that was about it yeah that's right um looked like i think like kind of best case scenario for him because he did those ones they really make me shudder those syndesmosis injuries medial ankle sprains where like the tackler just kind of grabs on hips and then and then like their whole the whole weight of their body goes down on the on the ball carrier's lower leg you just see the ankle twist and you're like oh god like that's that's just never a fantastic sign in terms of like obviously any high ankle sprain isn't ideal but when you have that big weight coming down like you open yourself up for those higher grades brains so he his has been confirmed as a minor ankle sprain and that's what they thought at the time which is fantastic um so look they've said he's definitely out this week and then they'll reassess next week um those minor ones usually anywhere from sort of one to three weeks so he won't be too far away all right so obviously for you know those looking at his replacement potentially might be the hammer Hamiso Tabawai Fido uh who who did quite well uh, on his debut, even though he struggled a bit fitness-wise. But I think, um, yeah, it could be interesting and probably looking like a pretty good downgrade option regardless. Absolutely. Now, I know a lot of um, interested Asan Masters owners probably wanting to know, when is Michael Morgan actually back? <laughs> oh, my God. I am, once again, if there's two players I have a lot of investment in, it was Kurt Capel and Isan Masters in draft. Um, so I am, I am the same. Um, look, he... Paul Green said post-match, and he well, look, I'll, I'll say in his post-match pressure, he wasn't the happiest man alive. So whether he was just sort of firing off answers to get people to shut up so he could get out of there. But um, he said, someone asked about Morgan. He said, oh, look, he's at least, you know, I think he said at least a, a while away yet or, or something to that effect. So look, like, I think they initially said like around, around seven to nine, somewhere in that region. So look, I would still, I would be taking that, more than um, more than his response sort of post match at, at at the at face value anyway. Um, so look, I'd still be expecting sort of anywhere in that round seven to nine kind of region, but it also is a bit mysterious because I got called a minor shoulder clean up in the off season. There's not many minor shoulder clean ups that take this long, and they were talking about um, you know the reason he got it done was because his shoulder kept dislocating and subluxing and and that like if you if that's what's happening, you get a shoulder reconstruction or a shoulder stabilization, which is once again that three four month recovery 
which is kind of round seven to nine, right? So I would say that there's some sort of stabilisation there and it'll be somewhere, anywhere, yeah, anywhere over the next month to, to six weeks, really. All right, well, that should be, well, for those who are still willing to hang on and bear with it. Uh, yeah, might be some yeah. good news for him sooner rather than later. You might, I, I, we'll put it this way: like what you'd probably hope if you're a classic player is that he starts to drop, starts to drop, and then you just pick him up, pick Masters up as soon as Morgan returns for a bit of a discount for the second half of the season. Yeah, I guess it's more for the people who currently own him and are suffering. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh yeah, that's tough. <laughs> you got plenty of trades. <laughs> Roll through them. Yeah, that's it. So for the next team, we're looking at the Raiders. I think they're relatively injury-free, I believe. Yeah, pretty no much. Yeah, nothing, nothing that I saw from this week um, for them. They were all pretty good. It's just still Bateman on the sideline with, um, like a, a little mini update on that. So initially there was one report saying that the Raiders were aiming for ten weeks, and then there was just a little interview with Elliot Whitehead. There we yeah. go. <laughs> um, yeah, there was an interview with him, and they he was asked really quickly how long you're expecting Bateman to be out for, and he said, oh, and he was a bit cagey but he was like oh what's he been out for two weeks so far i think he'll be another eight weeks so that kind of tracks with that whole 10 week kind of recovery um so i i still think you know you're not looking at getting him back until round 14 or so oh that's like that's only like the final qu- yeah. quarter of the season left after yeah. that so uh, <laughs> an interesting bit of a late round uh, flyer i guess you could take if you that's right got those yeah, trades in need hand to, need to chase some points all right, now let's talk about the Sharks, who had a couple of, um, I guess, ongoing injuries. So firstly, Ronaldo Molitalo, who obviously went for surgery uh, after yes. playing through a, a meniscus tear, was it? Yeah, yep, yep. So he just had... Um, look, that's... Like, I can't emphasise how tough that is. Like, we talk about you know, these efforts that, that guys go through to play through certain things. But, like, stuff like this story just sort of gets spat out. Like, oh, yeah, you know, Mulatalo played through an injury, had surgeries out four or six weeks, and everyone kind of goes, oh, yeah, okay, like, you know, brushes past it. But meniscus injury is super painful. Like, you know, that that's your cartilage in your knee. It's, it's the shock absorber. Um, every time you run, jump, like, twist, like, that's that's going to cause a fair bit of pain. And, you know, he was able to play that for, through that for an entire half, which is, you know, a, a fantastic effort. So, you know, like, as I said, I, I, I think that's something that I, I try and shine a light on is that, you know, like, the, these guys, they they do put their, their bodies through, you know, a fair amount for their teams every week. So, um, look, you know, props to him. He, he did really, really well. But, unfortunately, um, yeah, he'll be missing for, for four to six weeks now. He just had like the little meniscus trim surgery rather than the repair, so quick, quick recovery. Yeah, and obviously for those perhaps Will Kennedy owners um, interested in knowing what's going on with Matt Moylan again. Oh man, man! It seems like every week, um, every week we talk about him. It's just not good signs. Um, yeah, to be honest with you, like, look, like you know, it was only hamstring tightness, or, and that's sort of what they're saying anyway in the um, in the media and in the reports. But look, like you know, he he's had oh, like I think he over the last like three seasons coming into this year, he had like six or seven hamstring different hamstring injuries on both hamstrings, and he had a calf injury over Christmas, which he took. A, a while to sort of get over coming into round one and two he missed that and then he took the the break to kind of try and get on top of things and stuff like that and and 
and after one what is it one game back he he's getting you know some some symptoms and I mean awesome on him and like to report those symptoms you know and say look I'm feeling this here that they take off and they and they try and get him right because look like you know he's had a long time away from the game so having some symptoms here and there coming back into things it is completely normal and they're very very good management to sort of you know back back and go right we're not going to push him out there this week but it's just still overall like it's it's just super concerning that um this far you know after after all those issues and how much hard work he's reportedly put in that it's still just popping up here and there so I just wonder, like, even if he does come back, I just wonder whether they, if they persist with a full-backs load um, on him, you know, like whether they go, right, well, we're just going to put you in the halves to try and limit your your, your running. Um, that's certainly something that I could see happening. Um, but, yeah, I think Will Kennedy's got a, like, he, he's a good, good hold. Uh, even even if he doesn't get named, he's still a good, good hold because you just don't know what's going to happen with Moreland. It could pop up any time. And he's somehow still scoring well enough to make money, so yeah, yeah, it's definitely. not a bad, not a bad situation for owners there. Last couple of teams, Paramount Eels, uh, I think, are uh, injury free. They're pretty lucky. Yeah, they're they're charging towards the premiership, if you ask uh, anyone. So yeah, no, they're they're doing good with the injuries. So hopefully we haven't um, jinxed them, but yeah, they're doing really good. I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the mock. Yeah, uh, and the Bulldogs, uh, they. They had to do a bit of reshuffling early on, um, or sorry, pre-game, but I believe uh, during the game, no, no particular injuries. No, I think them and the the game between them and the Roosters last night, I I hadn't heard or or saw seen any injuries come out of that game, which is uh, good for a Monday night. Just weird rotations yet again. Yes. Good old yeah. Dean Pay. <laughs> As an Avarillo owner, hoping to see him, you know, get 80 minutes and actually yes. see what he could do with a full game under his belt. Yeah, not not <laughs> subbed on and subbed off within. Uh, sorry, subbed off, subbed off and subbed on within like five minutes or something like that. Something like players. that. Is that very, right? Yeah, very it's... weird. Yeah. yeah. And on the Roosters side, obviously they did uh, lose Jared Wiri Hardgraves pre-game. Um, yeah. A, a minor back complaint. So do you reckon they're just resting him? Well, it's it's possible. Like like I think there was even word at one point when the game got shifted from Sunday to Monday, they were like keen to try and get him like reinstated almost to play. So it can't have been that bad, I don't think. Um, but I think he, like the fact that they held him out, he probably just has a little bit of stiffness and soreness, and um, you know they just wanted to wanted to give him the week to prepare him for for the Eels. Fair enough, and why wouldn't you, right? 100%. It's going to be a big game for the Roosters. Obviously, they they did they're flying now, but they, we we forget that they did lose their first two games before yeah, the season exactly we started. Right. So. Yeah. And during the game, I don't think there were any issues for the Roosters overall. Um, I, I mean, Victor Radley seemed like he played lower minutes just yeah, because he didn't need yeah. to play as much. So that's right. Maybe there's some issues there, and uh, Boyd Cordner gets a, a, a handy rest yet again. Yep, definitely. But that sounds like all just load management. Yes, yeah. 100% with him. Yeah, keeping him off his knee if they don't need him on it. And they certainly didn't need him last night. No, no. All right. Well, look, thank you again for jumping on. Uh, so it turns out there were probably a few a few more injuries than we expected. I'm <laughs> just looking yeah, at Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. Now that we've talked through them all, yeah. <laughs> Snuck up on us. But all right, appreciate your time yet again. And we will catch you again next week. No worries, mate. Good luck to everyone this week.
Uh, so thanks again to Brian, aka NRL Physio. Uh, it's great that he has agreed to come on and yeah, give us his insight. And obviously he stays very up to date on all the injury news. So um, as always, make sure you follow him at NRL Physio on Twitter and that, so you can continue to get the most recent injury news as, as it comes out. But look, let's dive into the team list. I don't think there was too, too, nothing too dramatic this week. It feels, compared to the last couple of weeks, it felt a little bit more calm. Like we're trying to, starting to settle into the season a bit more. But as always, let's go through game by game. First game, Knights and Broncos. So for the Knights, they do get Lachlan Fitzgibbon back finally from his hammy injury, uh, which obviously shuffles their forwards around. Uh, Kurt Mann's still in the team, and I mean, he's still struggling with that ankle sprain, but he scored quite well on it against the Storm uh, last week, so he should be fine to play this week. Big news on the Broncos side, obviously, Katerny Staggs um, suffered a hammy injury, four to six weeks expected, so that's going to be something to keep an eye out for. Uh, that's, again, forced to reshuffle for the Broncos with Corey Oates back to the wing, Herbie Farnworth named to move to right centre. And uh, the Broncos also get back both Alex Glenn and Tavita Pangai, who should be on the left and right edge, respectively, which, uh, again, shuffles the bench a little bit. But uh, what's your takes on this? Uh, any major plays or players that catch your eye from either team? No, I think men scored some good points, but I think at 300, you're probably paying too much for him and he might make some more money, but I think you're better off going elsewhere. Again, Pangai could be great, could be a, in for two weeks out for another three with a suspension. That uh, like that pack, apart from Carrigan and um, Fafita when he's in, I, I just think rotation's just too much of an issue there, and it's pretty it's pretty straightforward. I mean, the Broncos have got a pretty good run after this, so if you were looking for a downgrade in the centres, maybe for Stags, you might look at, say, maybe Osako playing against um, some teams that the Broncos pack should really ma- not manhandle, but they should be um, able to find some room up the middle, and that should lead to some more points. So there's some kicking stats there for Isako and some potential for a try from fullback. So he could be an interesting play as you move forward into that nice four-run stretch of games. Yeah, so certainly um, just need to last through this game. And then I think you'd probably want to play a lot of your Broncos for the next four weeks afterwards. So uh, hopefully my faith in Milford <laughs> will pay off in that regard. <laughs> Uh, but look, the, the rotation is going to be a bit of a mess. I do like Pangai as um, obviously he's one of my favourite players because uh, he's a bit of a nutter but also has a lot of skill. But uh, he, I mean, we saw in week one, he came out, played 80 and scored 88 uh, with attacking stats. Him and Stags have a, quite a combo, but obviously Stags is not there at the moment. So that does have a little bit of concern. Uh, I am quite concerned for the Broncos' right edge. So Ponga loving his work on the left edge. I mean, Bradman Best, he, he and Pong have a pretty good combination already. Now you can add Lockie Fitz into the mix. So that left edge could really have a field day against the Broncos' right edge. So I do feel Pongo could be a straight captain option. Obviously, he's an easy vice-captain option. Even Bradman Best, I think you could throw the vice-captain on because he will probably run over Herbie Farnworth pretty easily, to be honest. Um, but yeah, yeah. Right. he looks good that best. Oh, look, he's he's like 105 kilos for a centre. That's massive. Yeah, got good vision. 
And fast. Got some skills too. Yeah, I think, and like I said, I said last week in the pod about, I, I just didn't think they were going to be up to the Storm's level. And and they did, they showed they were in the game there for a while, but watching it as a Storm fan, obviously, I didn't think Melbourne were ever too troubled by them. I, I think they're just that maybe two, another year, maybe two years off, if they can keep that that core group of players together. I think they'll be a very big shout in two years. They've got still some very young forwards and even guys that have, have got some experience there, like your Fitzgibbons and that, they've all, they're all still pretty young. So I think if they can keep that core team there, um, they'll be a pretty good shout in the next few years. Yeah, well, obviously they took a massive step on that with uh, apparently locking up Ponga until 2024. Oh, For true. a lot of money, for a lot of money, but... <laughs> Yeah, I, di- I didn't hear that. Well, he's definitely worth it. Uh, the only quick thing I wanted to talk about as well was um, the whole thing between David Clemmer and Daniel Sofiti. So Clemmer, I mean, we talked in previous weeks, his minutes are down from last year. He's He only played 50 this week. And uh, Daniel Sofiti also played 50. Clemmer scored quite low. And Sofiti, he's getting through so much work. He looks really, really good. Like, obviously, he feels pretty decent last year got the shop origin call up but i think he's taking this game to the next level this year and it's transferring to supercoach so a bit of a sneaky pod uh, in that front row uh, if you don't want to look at uh, you know the twalls and the clemmers and the papalis of, of sort there he's about 100 grand cheaper than most of those guys and pumping out scores better than them so just thought i'd throw that in there for people who are pod hunting at this stage yeah, and he's he's like one of those guys I'm talking about. Like he's he's only he's in there now. He's had a couple of years experience. He's only 24 years of age, so the props generally can go a bit further into their career. But um, it, it, between that 24 to 27 is that good time between experience and being in your peak physical fitness. So yeah, if they can lock him in too, even his brother is pretty good off the um, bench. So. Yeah, they're, they're two exciting football players, both those guys. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I have to say I've enjoyed watching the Knights this year, so it'll be good to see how they continue developing. All right, so next game, uh, Rabbitohs and the Warriors. So for the Rabbitohs, unchanged, um, keeping in mind James Roberts still sits on the extended bench there. And also for the Warriors, unchanged. So both these teams coming off a win. And what do you think? I mean, obviously, I grabbed Latrell last week. Do you think people are chasing the points, or do you think he's a legitimate centre-wing option? I think, and like you said, I, I talked to a mate of mine, and he uh, he wanted to um, bring Latrell in, and he, he asked me to. He said before, he goes, oh, do you think it's a good time to bring him in? I said, yes. He said, can you not talk about it on the pod, John? People <laughs> wait. But after you brought him up, obviously I, I agreed with you. He was a good in. I think mainly so because it's like it was getting towards his cheapest price. He had that break even around the 50s. And um, just watching the game, he seemed a bit more interested. And I think um, it was a gal who was talking after the game who said he he went looking for more work off the ball. And um that's when you when you know um, if he gets those opportunities when he's backing up off the ball, if if he gets it, he he's going to score points quickly. So I think the rabbits have got a pretty good stretch. Well, they've they've ended that stretch from um, last week, then they've got another two or three games left. So um, yeah, if uh, I mean if if you were going to bring him in, I think you have to do it this week. 
I'm not sure what his break even is, but he should smash that this week and be getting back up in price. So if you're going to go him, I think this week, and you and you think South might be on the turnaround, then this week's probably the week for him. Yeah, I mean, for him, he's sitting at 555,000 thereabouts, and his break-even is only 18. So obviously, barring a disaster, he's likely to go up in price and continue going up for a bit with that big score in, in his rolling average. But I think the main thing for me is that, you know, in this consecutive two weeks, the reason I wanted to jump on, because even against the Storm, like, sure, he showed some really good signs. He threw that really nice pass to AJ for that try assist, linebacker assist, but he was getting in there and, and showing up a bit more in support play. Uh, and, you know, that wasn't there in the first couple of weeks when he first started playing fullback. He's still struggling with the defensive positioning and, and you know, keeping up with the fitness. And I think a lot of that's probably just because he doesn't have the fitness yet that he really needs to be able to uh, be an elite fullback. But someone, you know, as physically gifted and as talented as him, he only really needs those few touches and he's getting them now with the ball in hand, uh, which probably is a good recipe for Supercoach points, you know. He's probably going to still let you know, let teams score on him because he's going to be out of position, which means he's going to have to do more attack to score those points back. So uh, I don't think he's a bad shot. He's got a potential, you know, we know even without the goal kicking, he could still average 60, 65, and that's likely going to be top four, top five in the centre wing. So with a, a kind draw coming up um, still, uh, I don't mind if, if you want to jump on this week. So, obviously, a couple of other names. Cody Walker. I know a lot of people interested in him as a bit of a pod in a really tough 5 position. Um, I think you were interested in looking at him as well. Yeah, so I'm pretty much looking at um, either bringing in Walker and Latrell this week or downgrading a um, centre to the hammer a week earlier and getting McInnes in. So... I'm toing and froing over those two decisions. So I, th- I think Souths, I'd like, I'd, I'd, I'm not sure if I'd like to have Walker or maybe even Latrell when they're playing those teams that are going to pound them in the middle, but they're definite plays for the next three weeks. Anyone who's seen Cody Walker play and obviously his super coach points is that his base stats is obviously not his strength. So it is a pretty risky pod move, but we know he finds his attacking stats very regularly. Damien Cook is the next name that obviously comes to mind. A couple of good weeks, decent weeks. He still hasn't gone large yet, but you kind of feel he's not too far away. And I think one of the things I was encouraged by is he, he ran the ball um, seven times and he made over eight metres every time this week. So... That's always a good stat for Cook when he gets that much room to move and uh, is running the ball. So I think there's definitely merit to jumping on him. I know the pack is still not entirely convincing, but even with the shift of Cam Murray into lock, it's already helping. Uh, so, you know, against the smaller packs, and I don't think the the Warriors are exactly what you'd call a monster pack, given all their outs and stuff. So this could be one of those games that Cook can, you know, really take advantage of. Um, the extra space and time, so I don't, I don't, I honestly don't mind him um, as an option. I don't, what do you think? What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, definitely, and his scores have improved. The the quicker play around the rucks helping his game. Appy's coming up against a pretty solid Melbourne side, so but yeah, it all leads to not a bad shout. I think though at hooker for me again, uh, Cam Smith is just. 
I don't know. He's, he just seems to be head and shoulders in like football wise. And for now, that's showing him super coach scores as well. But yeah, he's definitely up there. I'd, I'd rather cook this week than Appy, obviously. Yeah, it's certainly a tough matchup for Appy. And Cam Murray, I mentioned before, but that lock, I mean, his, his base has certainly gone up, but he's still not getting those attacking stats that he obviously needs to be an elite option. Do you think he's going to be relevant this year or? Jury's still out on that one. Um, for me, it, it's still out a little bit, just because I, I honestly see you, your three, and I think it'll be template by the end, your Maddo, Lolo, and McInnes. And then I think you need to um, pick a, an edge player that's got potential to go massive. And at the minute, the way the Roosters are playing, I'd, I'd have... Um, uh, Crichton at the top of that list um, in front of Murray and then Murray fighting in that pack for like probably a um, second reserve spot in the second row. Like along the lines of like Jai Arrow and those guys. Yeah. Jake Turbo. Jake Turbo, Harris, all those sorts of fellas. Speaking of Tohu, obviously he is going to, well, he's been playing a lot, uh, even though he keeps getting named on the edge. I don't know if they, they should be punished for that or not, but he runs out and plays in the middle for 80 minutes or, so, or thereabouts, and he's been scoring great. Uh, the good news for him, I think Jazz Devanga is still two, three weeks away, if not more, so he's certainly an interesting pod, and with, I mean, he's definitely going to need to do a, a lot of work this week, so I certainly don't mind him. Uh, we saw another big score from Elisa Katoa, uh, 80, I think, with another nice try. A bit lucky that Nikarima decided to pass to him when he, mm-hmm. he was a metre away from the line himself, but this probably decided he didn't want to get smashed trying to score. Uh, but do you reckon Katoa is a weekly play? Uh, for now, I think he is. While while we've got like some injuries and, and you're still trying to get to that best 17, I can't see a lot of... Like, if people have still got, like, a drink water or something in at 5'8", or um, still Williams, or they've got a Burton or Luai, I, I think I'd prefer to play Katoa over guys like that as, like, a last reserve or whatever. Yeah, I think that's a fair call. Um, certainly, you know, I played George Williams as a reserve over Katoa last week, so there was uh, 25 points I could really do with. So, yeah, certainly agree. Uh, it he's, seems like a more steady option than trying to play one of the risky halves. Uh, and lastly, I mean, Cody Nikarima had a pretty, I mean, pretty much a career game. I don't think I've seen him play that well. Uh, I don't know if it's just more he had a good day and the, Warriors, uh, the Cowboys just couldn't defend him or something. But, I mean, I, th- I think it's safe to say Supercoach-wise, don't go there, right? <laughs> Yeah, nah, um, definitely wouldn't be going near him. Although he's goal-kicking right now, which is a bit random. <laughs> yeah, well, but the, the, for me, that would steal the Warriors. Yeah, no, fair call. All right, moving on then, because there's plenty more relevant players in the next game, Panthers and the Storm. Uh, so for the Panthers, they finally get Dylan Edwards back, uh, which I think that's an improvement for them for sure. Unfortunately, the injured Kurt Capewell is going to be gone long-term. And Liam Martin is been, has been named there. So this will be interesting for me because I think earlier in the season when Capewell was out, Martin was playing lock and Yo was playing on the edge, even though they were named like this. So I'd be very interested to see how this actually plays out. But obviously on the weekend, Martin just came on for Capewell, played on the edge the whole game. So 
I just don't know what Ivan Cleary does with his back row. It's too confusing for me. But I think, you know, as you said the other week, Isaiah Yo is still going to get 50, 60 minutes in the middle. And, you know, that's going to see him score really well. So he seems like a really safe option still. Um, but look, I will be interested to watch what Liam Martin does. He has got a pretty good PPM on him and he can find an attacking stat. So he could be a bit of a pot option if he gets 80. Another one of your favorite players, Kikau. He played 80 minutes last week, but didn't score that well because he didn't get any attacking stats. But I mean, if Kikau plays 80 minutes again, would you be interested? Yeah, I don't think he will though. Like you said, it, it's probably a um, he he probably got that because of injuries. I think he he he's in that pack of the guys who I'd look at as that second reserve, especially if I wanted a pot option because I don't think too many people would bring him in. But um. He actually he, he got a job done on him last week. You could see that they were um, gunning to shut him down, and um, it was effective. He, I, I think, especially close to the line, he's the most dangerous ball runner on that in that side. So he was shut down and kept like he still got up near around that fifty mark, which you'd like to do better. But for how they were gunning for him, it, it wasn't too bad. Yep, and a few other names. Nathan Cleary, obviously not a very good game uh, for his first game back. I was certainly hoping for better from him, but uh, I, I think it's safe to say you're not going to really rush to buy him when he comes up against the Storm, right? So he can probably wait for a bit longer. Yeah, definitely. Oh, there's no way you'd be rushing to bring him in now. Um, if he's someone you've got marked in the future, um, let his price fall, and then if you want him, grab him at the bottom. Yeah, I don't know how much he'll fall because he's still got a pretty good floor, but... Yeah, certainly you can't see him going 150 this week. He's no Kellen Ponger. <laughs> yeah. Look, you talked before about selling Appy, um, looking at maybe moving him to Cook or whatever, or maybe even moving him on to Cameron Smith this week. I think it's safe to say that you'd rather have Smith or Cook over Appy this week, right? Oh, definitely. But um, again, like, it, it, like you, uh, I'd I'd say a lot of teams have popped up with a few issues, like. Stags would be pretty highly owned, and if people are still running like Masters or Drinkwater, like I am. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people might still have a few too many issues in their team to really worry about um upgrading there. And I, I don't think there's any rush to sell him. He's still pumping out pretty good scores. So, um, yeah, at the minute, it, it'd be more of a luxury for me, unless your team's gunning that well, that, that that's an option for you, then I'd do it in that case. Yeah, it certainly seems like it's it's a very slight sideways upgrade, but uh, I can imagine I'd feel more comfortable not having to worry about potential injuries in coming weeks. Um, someone like Smith just never gets injured. So speaking of which, um, let's talk about Smith. I mean, he had just, what, 115? 116, something like that this week, just continues to get it done. Like, is he going to retire this year? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I'm hoping so. I, was, I read somewhere someone, I mean, it's all rumours saying that Grant will sign somewhere else if Smith doesn't go or whatever, but um, he's a freak and he'll probably play till he's 50. <laughs> yeah, I do think um, both Brandon Smith and Harry Grant have clauses in their contracts that if they don't get a... If, if Cameron Smith still plays in 2021, they can they can go sign elsewhere, basically. Uh-huh. So I wonder if uh, Bellamy's going to give Cam the old tap on the shoulder. <laughs> the nudge. Well, I mean, I I nearly would like I'd ha- and I'd hate to see him go somewhere else, but um, 
it's a shame because, like, like I said, he's still playing at a pretty high level. But that, looking forward, the best thing for the club would be to keep one or both of those guys in the side. On the storm, obviously, Cam Munster, he just doesn't seem to continuously get those attacking stats. But somehow, you know, he finishes the game around 35, 40 points and then upgrades another 10 points and finished again with a pretty respectable score for someone who didn't have any attacking stats. So I think it's safe to say he's probably the standout option at 5-8 in a pretty tough field. Yeah, um, I, I, I definitely agree with you there. He he's He's probably got the best floor out of anyone. I don't think he has that, like, the opportunistic sort of plays that a Milford could get or a, um, a Cody Walker could get. But for some reason, and I, I don't know if that's because he's just not as quick off of the mark or whatever it is, but, yeah, he, he's he's definitely got the best floor and he's shown he can go reasonably well, big as well. So... Long term and against some lower teams, I think he's a good player to have in your team. Pappenhausen, obviously really disappointing for a lot of people, myself included. He's a sell. Um, Yeah, you've got to get up to one of those top three fullbacks, I think. Yeah, so that's my dilemma. I'm really trying to do Pappenhausen to Pong this week. I mean, Teddy's out of the stratosphere. I can't do that in one trade unless I sell Lolo or something like that. <laughs> And I think I would prefer Ponga's matchup this week over Turbos against the Raiders. So that's where I'm trying to lean, trying to, trying to make dollars work. But I might actually have to nuff out if I'm going to do that because I can't sell any of my center wings. Like, I don't want to sell Latrell. He's the only one I could sell to get the money to be able to upgrade Pappenhausen to Ponga. So a bit of a tough spot for me. I'm going to decide what I'm going to do there. And uh, lastly, Brenko Lee, is, you know, in terms of his stats anyway, and he hasn't looked too bad on the field either. But he's put together a couple of decent base stat scores. And the moment he scores a try or gets an attacking stat, he's going to go pretty decent. So, for the, again, for the pod hunters, another name to keep an eye on. And he seems to have gotten a bit better defensively. And no surprise that happens when you're at the Storm. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, that high expectations down there. And he would have been put through his paces. Although he's still, I mean... <sighs> It's up and down for the Storm. Like, you've got Penrith and New Zealand, the Roosters, Canberra, Gold Coast, Broncos, Newcastle, Bulldogs, then back to the Roosters. So it's not like they've got a um, a dream run at any stage through the season. And I don't know, I, I, I think Mel, they still look a little bit clunky in attack. So when they play those really good defensive teams, I, I'm not so sure that he's going to go massive. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. He he's got. I think I think his break evens around around twenty three, and he's only three hundred nine thousand. So you, you you've got a, the potential to have a look for another week. I mean, even the two games he's played, a thirty nine and a fifty. I don't I don't think it's screaming bring me in. Yeah, but like I said, it's just none of that's got any attack in it. So it's yeah, a pretty well, solid base. Yeah, definitely a solid base. But I mean, you can get that through Yo high upside in best. Yeah. Even Mansour. So, yeah, I mean, a, a, a decent pot option, but I'd probably be looking elsewhere. Well, I guess, like, for example, if you had Stags, right? I mean, he's, what, 550 or thereabouts, so you could make 240 downgrading Stags to Branko Lee, have a playable option in your seven, for your centre wing, and use that coin to upgrade uh, elsewhere. So I guess that's what I was thinking and, and throwing out that name there for people to have a think about. What would but, you? Just a quick question. Who would you prefer out of say him and Isako? Because I know 
So he's 309, and then you've got Osako, who's sitting at 372, so about 60 grand dearer. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Osako's probably the safer bet, given he's got the goal kicking and everything, and he's got, you know, that nice month up ahead. Uh, but, like, for example, if you really wanted to get Ponga or Teddy or whatever, and you needed the extra 60 grand, like, I think Brenko is a decent option if you know, downgrading from Stags that Osako didn't get it done for you, basically. Yeah, fair cool. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Titans and Dragons. So, with the Titans, obviously, new star, star signing, Corey Thompson, <laughs> comes straight in at fullback. Philip Sammy gets to move back to the wing. And, um, obviously, Brian Kelly to centre and Dale Copley is out injured. And for the Dragons, nothing really uh, doing. James Graham comes back into the team. Uh, Marin's back to the bench, and that's pretty much it. Look, <laughs> Titans, I mean... Let's talk about Arrow first. Obviously, I own him, and I'm a little bit frustrated, as plenty would be. I don't understand what Holbrook's doing, but, yeah, I guess, would it be safe to say you can just sell him, basically? Upgrade him to one of the premium four that you, you mentioned a few times now? Yeah, I think so. I, I know we were hope, hopeful, uh, you know, even one or two weeks ago that he might take that step forward, uh, but it just it doesn't seem like it's going to happen, unfortunately, which is frustrating. Um, yeah, but, I mean, look at it on the bright side. You might be able to um, get him at a decent price at Souths next year. <laughs> fair call, fair call. Someone who's actually getting more minutes than Arrow, Fodawaka in the front row forward. I, I mentioned him last week. He's gone up another 30, 40 grand, so it's a little bit more dearer. But, look, I still think he's a fair bit of value. He's getting decent minutes, and he's shown a, a pretty decent PPM and been the, the ability to maintain it, um, even at the bigger minutes. So... I don't mind him as a bit of a pot option in the front row forward to partner Haas. I know a lot of people have 12 there, but uh, we'll come to 12 because there are a few red lights flashing a little bit for me uh, with the team list that's come out. But, I mean, do you have any thoughts on Fodawaka or...? No, uh, yeah, I think he's he's a decent option, but, yeah, like I said, we'll talk about 12 and we might just revisit that one. I'd say he's an option, but he wouldn't be my top two. And generally, I only carry the two premium, or well, if you call them premium front row forwards, so, or Haas and your other option. And I don't <laughs> think he's in my top two. Yeah, fair call. All right. Uh, and just real quick, Corey Thompson, not an option, right? Yeah. Let's just no. making sure that's nice and clear. No. All right. Jumped over the Dragons. Obviously, McInnes, we've spoken about him multiple times. We saw last week, you know, he started a hooker, but Ben Hunt was on the bench, comes in. Hunt played almost 60 minutes, so McKinnis spent a lot of that game playing lock. And tackles are still there, but a bit lower. And for me, I saw him make 15 runs, and that was pretty good. It really helped bump up his base, and then obviously he scored that try as well. So for me, I think it's pretty safe to say he's good regardless, whether he's at 9, whether he's at 13. He's just going to... He's going to be on the field. When he's on the field, he tackles everything that's in within vicinity of him, and he's not afraid to take a hit up or two. Well, like I said, I've already said he's in the top um, three, and I, I mean, he might not be template, but I think he should be. Yeah, not much more to add. Yeah, and you know, still quite affordable compared to the other um, second row options there. Uh, speaking of which, a um, couple other pot options, I suppose. Firstly, um, Ben Hunt, like I said, coming off the bench, playing pretty big minutes. He's halfback only, and he's shown ability. Like he's he's only played so many games at hooker 
where he's say played 55, 60 minutes. But even in that small sample size, he's got about he's got 135 score in there. He's got 120 score. Uh, he went what 80 ish um, just this week, just gone. So he's got a tendency to get those attacking stats when he's playing hooker. And the issue is, is obviously his base is a little bit lower. He only averages around 35 to 40 or so in base, but because he's available at halfback only, I think he's quite an interesting option. Not one that I could feel comfortable doing because he's off the bench. You just never know when he's going to come on. But for those uh, who, who want to take a risk, like, you know, if, if your halfback is averaging 35 to 40, like, that's pretty much most halfbacks, right? Uh, even yeah, with goal yeah. kicking. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, like you said, it's, you're not comfortable with it. I'm a bit too scared about it too. I, I, under, I understand the point, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be just too nervous watching the game, thinking when he, when is he going to come on, and then what? How long does he stay there for? Is he Mary going to change it back around? Like I just, I couldn't go there. It's the Mary factor, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> And um, look, on, on the trend of uh, super risky pot options, I'll throw Matt Dufty in there. Uh, coming off 120, and he's 424k. He's got a negative one break even, and playing the Titans this week. Obviously, uh, a big reason I jumped on the trail last week was because I couldn't afford to upgrade to Teddy or Turbo or Ponga in one trade. And so I went for what I thought was a decent pot option. So I kind of feel like, this might be another opportunity for that. Dufty can trouble you know, opposition defences when they're not very good. I don't think he's a particularly good player, but I mean, Titans constantly struggle against opposition fullbacks. Uh, it's almost like a, you know, a free roll of the dice. I mean, what do you got to lose, right? <laughs> he could he could go up 50 to 100 grand and help Bridge to get to a, a Turbo or Ponga next week or the, the week after if uh, you wanted to have a go at it, but like I said, uh, probably not for me. It's uh, probably a bridge too far for me to take that risk, but I know some there's some uh, high-rolling gamblers out there who don't mind a, a roll of a dice like Dufty. Yeah, and and like when he's when he's running the ball, he's exciting to watch, but like you said, risky, chance of getting dropped. He's already been dropped. Um, I know they got their first win, so that sort of suggests he might hold his spot, but yeah, that that's... I mean, the money factor's decent, and if you can maybe move some things around to get him in for, say, a drink water or whatever, then maybe. But, yeah, to, again, that's I, I couldn't go there. Yeah, I was uh, looking at it and playing around with options, and I put, I put him into my trade. I didn't even click complete. I was like, no, I can't do it. <laughs> I had to back out of the trade straight away. Yeah, it's... it's it's uh it'd be a tough core and i just sort of mentioned zach lomax i know some people are selling him uh look i think to be honest like if if you need to sell him that's fine but i think he's a pretty good play this week uh he might he might get his first attacking stat for a couple of weeks and you know he's been doing really well base wise so i certainly don't mind him this week yeah well if he's if he's break evens there then like there or thereabouts and i, I wouldn't i wouldn't trade him yet either yeah, I think it's 44. Oh, and yeah, no, I'd, I'd be holding. Even even if he has an average game, he's he's probably going to hold around his current price and playing the Titans got potential to go big. Yeah, we banged out 50, not doing much last week, and he's up against Brian Kelly this week. So 
I'm uh, pretty keen on that matchup, to be honest. All right, moving forward. So the Tigers and the Cowboys, the next game. I mentioned, obviously, before some injuries for the Tigers. Lucy Lelua, he's been named, but it's going to be touch and go. Unfortunately, Tommy Talau, who, who debuted last week, has apparently got a hamstring injury. So he's going to be out for a bit, which sees Robert Jennings come back in. Uh, and, yeah, the, the bench looks quite different. Obviously, Packers dropped out because he's suspended. Seafarth uh, has dropped out, uh, dropped out as well. And you've got Matt Eisenhuth and Sam McIntyre. And I think the presence of Eisenhuth is what makes, which is what makes me a bit worried for Twall because... A lot of what Twal's been doing is at lock is he's been a tackle bot, right? He's just been absorbing defense. He's such a good defender, great technique, doesn't miss tackles hardly ever. And because of that, he hasn't been running the ball with much venom, right? He he kind of, I wouldn't call him Aaron Woods-like, but he's not too far off in some of his carries um, since he's moved to lock. I don't know if that's just me. Have you noticed that or? No, nah, I... I agree to a certain extent. I've, ne- I've I've never seen him as someone who's like a um a player who's going to bend the line or whatever. So I, I think and Madge has never been one to have his forwards looking for offloads. He's normally the um, win the middle of the ruck and get over the top of them. So I, I, I don't share the same concerns too much. I just, I, I think. Like you said, he's a tackle bot, so he's he's clogging up that middle, and he's probably at that stage where he's now experienced enough to play the big minutes, where some of these other guys are still a bit inexperienced. So, yeah, and and he he's had lower minutes before and still pumped out decent scores. So I, I get he's a watch, but I, I'm not. I'm pretty happy to play him again this week. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not suggesting people bench him, but I just think. You know, he may not see AD this week. Obviously, a four-forward bench. And Eisenhuth is very much like, I mean, he he's Gal's cousin, right? So he's very much like Paul Gallen, but not as effective, basically. So last year, when Eisenhuth was into the team, uh, 12 minutes dropped. And that obviously impacted. Because I don't know if people remember, last year, 12 had a great start to the year as well. And then second half of the year, he faded. And part of it's probably the long season, you know, still young, still developing, but a lot of it related to Eisenhuth taking a lot of minutes off the bench as well. So that's why I just mentioned it. It is a concern for me, but you're still going to play him this week with confidence, and you know, so we have to have to watch and see what happens. And obviously, if he it does end up that he ends up playing, you know, 55, 60 minutes only, then he'll be a pretty easy swap or you know a downgrade to some other front row forward option. The other thing I want to point out was um, Harry Grant. I mean, we talked about it before, but because he might be injured, so that's a big watch for people who might be considering playing him in the 17. Um, no doubt, again, we'll get better now from Wacker's whispers, as we find out. Lucy Leilua, like I said, I think he's a sell regardless. I agree. I think he's definitely... Yeah, ideally, you'd get him out this week for if you can get up to someone like a... McKinnis or whatever, but with a break even a 65, I doubt he hits it. But if even if he gets into like his score this week, if he if he bangs out another 44 or gets to a 45, a 20 point price drop probably won't be the biggest issue. But yeah, if that's a trade you can make this week, I'd be getting rid of him. Yeah, so this is my 
dilemma because I could easily do BJ to Hammer and sorry that's Humiso Tabue Fido from the Cowboys and I could upgrade Lucy to McInnes quite quite easily that'd be a very neat pair of trades for me whereas um, for me to get Ponger in for Paps like I have to do some surgery I have to um, work out who I'm trading out and I might have to even get enough um, because I don't have the right dual positions so not really liking the sound of that so that's my dilemma I'm thinking whether I get McInnes or Ponger basically but yeah I, I'm leaning towards selling him um, just you know he's done his job earned his cash given us some good scores along the way but yeah he's not quite getting the same uh, att- attacking opportunities playing on the left edge otherwise I mean I, I did want to mention Adam Dewey because um, ever since he moved to fullback he's actually averaged 66 in the last three weeks and a few attacking stats but he's actually basing around 40, 40 45 or thereabouts which is I think pretty solid for a center wing option um, so yeah, again, for people who are looking for a downgrade option and, and wanting to, you know, not wanting to go all the way down to a, a rookie, uh, it's just a couple of names that I thought I'd throw out. Jumping over to the Cowboys, obviously you've still got Scott Drinkwater. I sold him this week um, to get to Latrell, basically. Uh, what are your thoughts on Drinky? Are you trying to get him out of your team? Yes, and and we said this in previous pods that he's definitely someone that you want to get out as soon as possible. Again, a break even of seventy six. He do, he doesn't have the toughest matchup, but I, I don't expect him to hit that seventy six. But if he can even crack a fifty, you could potentially carry him one more round. But he it, he's he lost 21k and he's currently 55 above what you started with him, and I think it'd be a bit of a loss if you didn't get him out before making that money. So that's that's really what's pulling me towards taking a punt on the South boys and staying off McInnes. But again, I I like to stack my second row before anything else, so it's sort of tugging at how I normally play the game, but. Um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and um, speaking of Cowboys players losing money, Asan Masters, not a great game from him last week, but I think we mentioned you know the loss of Michael Morgan has impacted him. That that right edge is not seeing as much ball, and um, Morgan seemed to have a better way of using Masters than like Clifford just doesn't seem to click with him at all. So uh, if you owned him. Which you do, don't you? You've got to sell them, don't you? Yeah, I've got that. That's a massive, like, the biggest problem in my team, I think. Oh, yeah, he, he's got to go. And, again, he's another one at 86. He's, the problem with him is he's already lost 74 grand on what he started at. So you could be you could be taking, well, you're definitely taking a hit on him there. But it, it doesn't get a lot better for the Cowboys at the minute. Like, you've you got West this week, which isn't too bad of a game. I can't see him hitting 86 against them, though. And then they run into, like, Newcastle, Para, Roosters, Penrith, Manly, Canberra, or all that leading up to the Gold Coast. So I, I think for him, and I, I think that's nearly just made my decision there, I think you've got to cop the um, price loss on the chin and um, get rid of him. The only thing I'll throw in there is that this this isn't a, a Masters revenge game. So if he's if he's going to go large, it'll probably be this week. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah. 
it's just funny like you know we saw a massive work rate pre-covid19 suspension and then since then it's just disappeared off the face of the earth you kind of wonder maybe iso wasn't so wasn't very kind on him and he lost a lot of his fitness and and whatever well uh, looking watching him play obviously because i've got him it looks like he's been carrying like a, a bit of a niggling injury like he, he doesn't really look going for that work and looks a little bit gimpy but maybe i'm just looking at something that's not there but i I, I think he might be carrying a bit of a issue that he needs to get fixed at half time but who knows and one thing we did notice uh, i think um with masters he he obviously liked the dummy half run uh, a fair bit but right now with uh reese robson at hooker He's shoving him out of the way. Robson won't let anyone touch the ball apart from himself. So I think that might might have something to do with it as well. Yeah, possibly. And lastly, I mean, I mentioned Hammer before. Like, I think you're going to find that you will have to bring him in next week. But um, I, I kind of don't mind jumping on him early. Like, he's playing fullback this week. I'm potentially going to bring him in and actually play him in my team, in my center wing. Uh, well, I'm thinking about it. I'm not sure if I will or not. But uh, he, he looked pretty good. Uh, lacked a little fitness, uh, which you can understand, obviously, young kid, and, you know, he hasn't had any match practice in, in isolation, so I can understand he might be blowing a bit, but he, he, he looked better playing fullback, and obviously that's going to be his role this week, so kind of don't mind bringing in the hammer and playing him in the centre wing this week. All right, and let's move on to the next game, which is the Roosters and Eels. I mean, that's going to be a pretty good game to watch on Saturday night so the Roosters get back JWH and good news for me as an Angus Crichton owner uh, Orbison drops off the bench with Beryls coming back into the team uh, for the Eels they just lose Evans due to suspension and they get Kofusi um, on the bench so nothing too drastic there first off who do you reckon wins? Ooh, I hate to say it but um the Roosters are looking really good. They're playing with some speed. Again, they, uh, this will probably be the toughest match they've had for a little bit. I, I, I like the Roosters 1-12. to 12. You expect a tight game, don't you? Yeah, I don't think it'll be a blowout. And, and again, like, Eels will need to... They'll need to have a big game for this if they want to prove that they're... A, an actual contender. Like, obviously, they've played, been playing some good football, but this is a game that will will really see if they can put their hand up because the, the Roosters are putting teams to the sword, and when they're in that mood, um, you'll find out if you're good enough or not. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I, I do lead the Roosters on this one. But, uh, you know, if the Eels want to be legit this year, they're going to have to stand up and you know, make this a real contest. So on that, um, look, let's talk about it. Tedesco, uh, I know obviously you're a very happy owner, but I don't have him. He's going to break the bank. Like you're paying through the nose to be able to get him in this week. Uh, there is a real chance if you miss, if you don't get him this week, he could be out of price for like weeks, like the next two months potentially. Do you think he's worth it at 860000 or whatever he is right now? Oh. Um. I'm going to have to... I'm going to go no. I mean, I I get he's just had a massive score, but it's the the Bulldogs. And 
he hits he, he carries that for this game and Parramatta they're they're a decent side and if they show up on the on the day he's a chance of getting a relatively still maybe a good score but not not something that's going to send his price skyrocketing then he has St George which he could be anything but then Melbourne North Queensland Canberra so he's going up and down over the next four rounds and I just think I, I, like I'm half tempted to do what I did with Widdop that year and wait until his peak price flick into maybe a Pappenhausen or Ponga and then bring him back in because he, he, he's going to have that inevitable drop. You, you can't just keep going up and up and up. At, at some stage, you're going to fall down. And if, if you, it, it's hard to say because it's, it's, it's easy owning him, but yeah. Um, uh, if if I didn't own him, I don't think I'd bring him in. And look, I think I'm with you on that. And the reason is is because for me to get him in, I have to break my team. Like I have to trade out a genuine keeper like a almost a Tamalolo to be able to afford that cash. So to me, I just don't think it's worth breaking a team for one player. I mean, sure, that one player scored enough for about three players worth last week. Three non-premium guns but there are guys very close who are over 100 grand less who we we know turbo can go 194 he's done it before so ponga has just hit his highest score ever at 159 but you know like for 110 grand less i'm okay to maybe only get 140 or 150 now and then like to me i just don't think the gap between teddy to turbo and teddy to ponga is worth the extra 110 120 grand that you're gonna have to pay to be able to afford him no Uh, i I agree with that and like if you go to ponga he he's got like the broncos north queensland manly para and south and he's already shown he can put 60s up against the storm and a, a good score against canberra and so there's there's not many teams on that run sheet at the minute that have got a defense as good as that. So he can easily put points up himself. I mean, I, I honestly think you just need to suck up missing that big score and just um, hope that he doesn't do it again. <laughs> well, it's the it's the dragons that are, are worrying for me. Um, <laughs> but I think once you look past the the, the next five weeks so yeah i agree you know the eels the eels kept turbo to 62 although it could have been you know it could have been an extra 22 points on top of that then you know the storm the raiders we know that they are pretty good defensively although we did see ponga go 159 against the raiders so but i, I think we have to say that was out of the ordinary right that's not what you'd normally expect but then after that run i mean <laughs> Uh, round 11 onwards, Warriors, Titans, Dragons again. That three-game stretch is terrifying for a non-Teddy owner, and I think that might be you know, the play. Like As you said, you might sell him in two, three weeks at his peak price, downgrade, enjoy you know, Pong or Turbo or whatever for... Well, we already got Turbo, so maybe you enjoy Pong or Paps for a couple of weeks, and then you get Teddy back in when he's dropped back to let's say 800,000 instead or 850 still, but you're still banking a bit of cash there. So um, I think that might be a legitimate play. And even looking at the last three weeks, for example, like, you know, we saw round three, Turbo went 150, round four, Ponga went almost 160, and then round five, Teddy goes almost 200. Like, 
it seems like once you get to your 17, it really could be a legitimate option just rotating these gun fullbacks. Yeah, and, poss- po- yeah, possibly. But again, like imagine trading one of them out based on matchups and one gets a temperature and can't play and the other bloke goes for like 100 plus. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's going to be terrifying to do it. But, you know, if you are in the reckoning and or even if you're a little bit further back, like these might be the risks you've got to take to um, try to try catch up. I mean, if you made the right trades, you could have captained 150 plus three weeks in a row, <laughs> which would have been insane. And uh, I mean, I'm sure some people up the top probably did that. So... Yeah, I don't mind that as a strategy a bit later on, but I think no one's 17 is probably strong enough to be able to afford to fork out that much cash without really compromising some of your other areas of your teams right now. That's just my gut feel. I mean, at the end of the day, if your gut tells you Teddy is going to go off the next five weeks, well, back that and get him in. Like, <laughs> If you don't have him, that is. On to another player that's on fire, though. Angus Crichton looks like he's finally now done that 80-minute roll. Which is great news. Yeah, me. yeah, well, that was a good course. Sneaky, not letting people know about it, and I think you've copped a bit of flack over that. But <laughs> wait, 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 wait! I've got to jump in here because he actually did not cross my mind until Orbison dropped out of the team. So, because Orbo was there the whole time, and I was like, all right, I can't look at Crichton until Orbo's not in the team. And then literally, he drops out that week, and obviously, that was due to a family matter. So. I've just gone, well, all right, maybe I'm just going to trade this guy in instead. So I have to admit, like, I've always been a fan of Angus for Supercoach purposes, but I didn't actually think of him up until the team list got culled to 19 and Orbe wasn't there anymore. So, look, I, I, I mean, I mentioned to some people that I, I was going to trade him in, but uh, it was not by design that I kept that one to myself, okay? That that sounds like a weak defense. Anyway, <laughs> um yeah, no, nah, he's a definite option, and like I like I'll, I'll make. There's nothing about it either. I've I've been a fan of his. I was a fan of his when I thought he'd play even with a busted shoulder, but he looks healthy. He he's he's got to prove like even Bar Super Coach um, aside, he he just looks like he's adding a lot of firepower down that side again. He's getting into tackles like even if they're not counted towards Super Coach because he's like this third or second man in or whatever he's he's getting involved um slowing down the ruck and that that takes it out of you like it's 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 not easy to just go in like down up down up and he, he made two or three tackles in a row a couple of times on the weekend and efforts like that where he was slowing the play the ball down so yeah he, he's looking involved he's looking really good and man Flano. Even te- um, even I've mean Teddy out there getting that ball off Flano on the inside and linking up with him is looking um, very dangerous, especially because you've got <laughs> you've got Teddy who can run it himself at a hole, and that one-handed offload he had when he was getting pulled down was pretty good too. So that that's a pretty dangerous edge for the Roosters right now. I mean, is is there an edge that's not dangerous to be honest? <laughs> like, oh. They've got weapons everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, like, I'd, 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 yeah, the other edge is dangerous too, but I just think, again, I've made my feelings about um, Boyd Corden and Nain. I know he can still hit the occasional hole, but I don't know. I think he's he's been playing injured a fair bit of his career, and I think it's sort of slowing him down. And 
like inspirational, yeah, but, oh, I guess you could say that, but there's a lot of players who can do that. I don't know. I just think Angus adds a little bit of extra explosiveness to an edge that Cordner doesn't. Over to the Eels, I mean, we've talked about the Eels so much. Like, I don't think we really need to cover this anymore. Only thing I really will ask is, do you think if you had to get one in this week, Madison or McInnes, who would you prioritise? I'll probably have to go McInnes. That right edge for me, for the Eels, and I know Blake scored, it looks a bit better, but a lot of the ball is still going down the left. Um, which means Maddo needs a little bit more junky points, like maybe a line break assist or whatever, where I'd, I'd just feel McInnes on average might score higher in base than what Madison's going to. But that's just a gut feeling. I'm, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd probably go, I'd probably get McInnes first. Yeah, I think I lean that way too. Plus, obviously, the Titans match up. Um, McKinnis has a you know, chance to get some attacking stats there as well. So, um, yeah, to me, I would probably lead that way. But obviously, you're going to try and get both eventually. Uh, and Matt has got that 88 break even this week as well. So definitely leaning towards McKinnis for that reason. Uh, I think Nathan Brown is worth keeping an eye on. I know we mentioned a bit earlier, but he's looked, he looked pretty good last week. Uh, and that was his, obviously his first game back after suspension. So keeping an eye on him and his minutes and how he's used. I think it would be good for, you know, that reserve spot on the second row or whatever. Uh, next game, the Raiders and the Seagulls. The Raiders, um, they get Corey Horsburgh back. Again, is he, I mean, super coach purposes there for the Raiders. They're, they're a bit all over the shop at the moment. No one's really sticking their hand up for a massive score. Um, and I think you can find the floor of... Um, most players that you could get in the Raiders elsewhere and currently other teams are um, sticking their hand up in attack a bit more. I just think they've got that real grinded out mentality at the moment and it might have been from playing against a few of the better teams too. But I think I, I would personally, I wouldn't be looking to trade many Raiders in. Yeah, I mean, for me, I've got Tarpane and uh, George Williams still and I'm looking... Probably not selling George Williams yet, but he's going to max out in price shortly, so he could be on the chopping block pretty soon for me. And um, so same thing with Joe, Joe Tarpane. He's he's looked pretty good the last couple of weeks, but I do worry a little bit now. Um, Hudson Young's back into the lineup, so not sure how those minutes will be working. So um, yeah, big watch on that if you if you own uh, him and Horsburgh. So. Uh, aside from that, yeah, I agree. There's a lot in this team that just nothing really stands out. I mean, Josh Parley is always a good front row forward pod. Uh, loves to try. Uh, I think I saw that stat where he scores more tries. He's almost scored more tries than Dan Gagai at club level from a similar number of games, which is insane. Um, but, yeah, Seagulls, I mean, Tommy Tobo, we know what he's like. He's got a massive break even this week, um, and, and it's going to be a pretty tough game, you'd think, against the Raiders. Uh, so that to me is why I'd lean towards grabbing Ponga this week over Turbo and obviously we talked about Teddy already any other Seagulls that really catch your eye I mean for Noah Blake maybe <laughs> with no to power yeah he, and it, he's generally good for maybe a pod choice at the top as well 
I honestly, I couldn't go, like, I think Turbo, maybe Jake, if you wanted to try a bit of a different player in that in your second row there. But I really, I'm, I, maybe, I, I really don't see any potential in their outside players apart from in that final run home where if you were trying to chase points, you might um, take a shot at like a Garrick or a Moses Sully right at the end. But until that happens... I don't think I really want anyone outside of um, Jake or Tom and then um, potentially keep an eye on Fanua Blake. Kind of got my eye on DC for the last four weeks of the season, but, you know, it's a lot of footy to go on before then, so who knows how those last four weeks actually end up looking when we get closer to it. Uh, and last game, Sharks and Bulldogs. So with the Sharks, they obviously have some outside back issues, I'm um, not sure whether Bryce Goodman's going to be rushed in, uh, but obviously they're missing Matt Moylan again. It's all a bit messy for the Sharks, unfortunately. For the Bulldogs, they still don't have Ed Tolman, which is a big, pretty big loss for them again. They've had a reshuffle in the back line yet again. Not really sure where, which side, you know, Ramus Smith and DWZ are going to play for the centres because they, Ramus Smith was on, was playing right centre, but then he missed last week, and DWZ played right centre, so be interesting because Avarillo was playing left centre and now he's off to the wing, which I, I would assume he's going to be on the left wing. Um, I'd prefer it if Raymond Smith was playing left centre because I think he'll pass the ball a bit more than DWZ. But Avarillo, I think we both said that he's been one of the few uh, shining lights in that back line and he's gotten a couple of nice attacking stats or line breaks at least. No attacking stats really. Um, but I'm wondering, like, do you reckon he's going to kick goals? Avarillo? Yeah, I mean, there's no Meany anymore. There's no Wakeham in the team. Holland's on the bench. I think it's going to be between him and Adam Elliott, potentially. Yeah, well, that'd be nice. Who? who sorry, um, oh, are they going to score many points? Yeah, that's it, isn't it? <laughs> but who knows? That could be, even if it's one or two goals, that's an extra six to eight points, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, he's got, he's got a nice little kick with that 54 in his average for a while now, so... Um, if you got, I, I wouldn't trade him in. No, not at all, not at all. Just uh, hope for us Avarillo owners make yeah. a little bit of coin before you sell him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do want to talk about uh, SJ though, Sean Johnson, who had his well, second best score of the season with the seventy-five. I mean, did you get a chance to watch him? I only saw a little bit of it, so I still haven't seen. I, I just, I still think it. it He's still got the smarts to play. He might have lost a bit of zip, but hard. I don't know. I think it, if you had him, you had to have held him just to regain some money. He was always going to do that. Now that he's had two decent scores, I'd ride those price rises, but I'm not sure how much further I'd hold him than once I made my money back or maybe made a bit of a profit. Yeah, I'm kind of just cruising through the this kind draw for the Sharks and then... Once they get to a pretty tough matchup, I might. I mean, I might just hold him for the season. I'll just bench him for any hard games and trot him out against the likes of you know the Cowboys and the Bulldogs and the Titans and stuff like that. But yeah, he's certainly not the SJ of old. Uh, and just last name, Fatala Mariner from the Bulldogs, who's played 80 the last two weeks and scoring all right actually. I mean, he's a bit of a cheaper option again for those who are trying to downgrade and still have a playable option for their 17. With that going to enough, just sort of throw that name in there. Yeah, that obviously took a bit longer than I was hoping. 
looking at your plans, we talked about it before, right? So for me, it's Ponga or McInnes, basically. For you, you're looking at... Either McInnes and the rookie or Latrell and Cody Walker. Yeah, so the double upgrade and then same in the rookie for next week. Yeah, that, and I think that's the way I have to lean after looking at the Cowboys' next run of fixtures. Although I could, speaking of Avarillo, there's the potential to maybe get rid of Masters, hold Stags for the week, play Avarillo, and then use Stags to downgrade later and then not cop the massive price drop that could potentially arise from having Masters. So. A few things I've got to tinker around with and I might try and jump on with you Thursday and update before the first game. we just got to hopefully figure out um, whether Dean Pay's going to bench his outside back again for no reason and <laughs> bring him on for 10 minutes later. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not happy about it, but, I mean, I'm not sure if I want to take the Masters drop in price either after what I said earlier, so... Yeah, no, it's fair call. All right, so look, we'll better wrap up today. Um, thanks again for listening. Um, we, as always, we appreciate all your reviews. Uh, subscribe, as always, to get uh, to get the episode as soon as it drops. And a yeah, quick shout-out to all of our champs. We'll continue trudging along and getting as many of you guys up to the top. There's a couple sitting on the top of 1,000 already, so they're pretty well-placed to, to really have a good crack at overall glory this year. So no doubt you'll be... Um, snapping at their heels to try to keep them on their toes <laughs> yeah my always that that top 1000 should always be a decent goal and it's definitely achievable this year for sure given i just feel like it's really condensed it's really condensed this year more than ever because of the way the teams are structured and the the fact that we can only have two of those gun fullbacks at any one time so it'd be really interesting to see how that goes anyway we should get out of here Um, Thanks for listening again, and we'll catch you guys soon. Cheers, guys. Have a good one.